It's great to be here with you this morning in worship. Uh, my, my heart, of course, goes to our missionaries as many of them had to make some really tough decisions uh, back in March when this coronavirus pandemic hit the world. And, and now, praise God, many of them are able to head back to the place where they believe God's called them to be. And so we need to be praying for Bo and Michelle as they return in January, and I, I would ask you, church, to be praying with them. The last couple of days, uh, some in the church leadership have engaged in a process called StratOps. It was a, a three-day intensive process, 10 hours a day, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. at night. Who here loves meetings? Erica? But, you know, it was an intentional time where we were able to come together and, and, and dream about the next 10 years for our church. And I'm excited that I believe that God put some very intentional things in our heart as we did that. And I cannot wait to share more with you about that. We will be giving you more in, in the days to come, particularly as we get to January on what God's laid on our hearts but that leads me to introduce to you our speaker this morning, uh, Bruce Hoppler, who's the executive director with Converge National for Church Strengthening, uh, led us through this process. And I was just so thankful that Bruce committed time to come to our church and help us to dream and think about the future. I've been able to work with Bruce in a coaching cohort with pastors, and I've come to respect and appreciate his ministry. And I'm really thankful for our, our affiliation, Converge, with their mission of starting churches, strengthening churches, and, and sending missionaries into the unreached parts of the world. So, Bruce, would you come forward and, and open up God's Word to us? Good morning. It really is an honor to be here. It has been an honor to work with your leadership team uh, as your pastor uh, had noted, I work with churches all over the country, and uh, it's a blessing to be able to work with churches that I can clearly see that loves the Lord, that uh, uh, has a leadership that loves you and loves Cape Cod, and uh, most of all, uh, love Jesus Christ. And uh, it's just been, uh, that's just joy to me. I joked with them, I said, you know, I, when I come and do this, I'm giving up weekends with my wife. So I want to know that people are they're going to follow through and, and really uh, uh, really care about expanding the kingdom of God in their community. And through getting to know uh, Pastor Rob uh, through one of the cohorts that I was leading, uh, he was the one that actually followed through the most uh, with actually leadership development. And I was very encouraged by what I saw in him and very encouraged by what I saw in your teams in the last three days. And I do want you to note, I've spread them all the time, I've explained to the teams, who is not here to tell you how to do church. Uh, I believe that there is a reason that God has placed this group of people with this group of leaders in this town with this leader. And our job is just to see where God is at work and how to organize that better. That's all that was. And, uh, and it was exciting. It, it, it's really, it was just a blessing. So thank you for letting me to be a part of your community. 
and uh, I got to go uh, have a good cultural experience for me. I went um, uh, clamming for the first time in my life yesterday, and I am now a resident expert, and uh, so I, I enjoyed that, and so that was, uh, that, that was good. Well, it is 2020, so let me welcome you to, to the new PTSD. Surely you know the medical term, PTSD. It is uh, it's recognizing that God, when he created our brains and created our, our ability to process things, that when we are going through something horrific, traumatic, that, that, uh, and we don't have time to process it all, all we can do is just survive and work through it. God desired the brain that we can compartmentalize that for a season of time, hence the post. And then there will come a time where it gets unlocked and the Lord says, okay, uh, you have to deal with this eventually. And so it, and then, then you're reliving the trauma and the stress disorder. It, it, is, it is a way to allow us to survive during those times. The new PTSD is present, traumatic, soul disorder, present traumatic soul disorder. Here in 2020, we can't deny we've gone through a lot of trauma. Between uh, uh, having all of our rhythms throwing off, thrown off, uh, having to figure out the whole mask thing, uh, watching sickness and death take place all around us, uh, and then racial uh, uh, trauma that has gone on in our country, uh, and then also uh, political, you know, that's been a big one this year, uh, economic, and all the different things that have gone on in our nation Certainly, uh, little bits and pieces of it we have seen throughout our lifetime, but to be all intense and all deep at the same time, it has been traumatic. And it is present because we're still in the middle of it. We don't know when it's going to end. Soul. There's something about unique about this season that our souls, we can't quite put our finger on it, but it's just not right. I mean, there's the obvious things that are going on physically and we're having to deal with, but there's something about the season that we just kind of sense that, uh, that, that, that this, is, this is a true turning point in our lives, in our communities, perhaps even in our country and in our world. And so, uh, and, and so it's a disorder that we're we're dealing with. So this is the reality uh, that, uh, that we're going through. Now, if, let's say in January of last year, of this year, 2020, something terrible happened and I went into a coma and I woke up yesterday and I say to the nurse, well, what'd I miss? And the nurse begins to explain, well, you know, actually, um, most people work from home now, and uh, so they don't have to deal with rush hour traffic. And on top of that, if you do have to deal with rush hour traffic, it's a lot lighter. A lot of meetings got canceled. A lot of uh, weekend events got canceled. So you have a lot more time at home. And I uh, began to describe those kinds of things. I probably would have said, 
how relaxing. What a, a low-stress season, and I missed out on it. But we know nothing is further from the truth. We know that there was all that's gone on, even though we've had the blessing at times to remove a level of a, uh, uh, activity, that the anxiety continues to grow. It's the, it's the mystery of it all and trying to go through the step-by-step step and try to figure, figure this out. Um, interestingly enough, I assume that those of you that are students of God's Word knows that it's not only a book that is, is a recording of a, the revelation of God. It is God's Word. It is also a historical document. These are real people living real lives, uh, uh, you know, and their intersection and, and relationship with God, relationship with community, and the relationship with their own selves. This is factual things that actually happen. And it's interesting that very few people that are talked about in the Bible know, or knew, rather, a stable economy, a stable government. In fact, they were oftentimes on the negative side of it all. Talk about racial injustice, they were usually the ones that were these, the ones that experienced racial injustice. You talk about uh, economic confusion, you talk, what did you go from, uh, 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 you know, Noah, who, who took them and said, I don't know what's going on, I'm having to stray everything over. Then you have a Moses, where every day was mysterious. There was not a day you knew how things were going to, uh, to work out or where you were going to land. All, there were no sense of rhythm then. You get, uh, uh, when, the, when the Israelites were taken over by the King Nebuchadnezzar, or you start going through into the, to the New Testament, where they were under a Roman oppression and trying to figure that out. There was nothing stable or normal or what we would call healthy rhythms from most of them. So my point is this. If you were a student of God's Word, you were actually uniquely prepared for 2020 because you have been spending much time studying about the people who can't rely on the outside circumstances and have to have built their identity in God himself. And of course, in the New Testament, we learned that's through Jesus Christ. Now, you may be thinking, I don't feel uniquely prepared at all. But the reality is, compared to the rest of the world, who doesn't have the foundation that you have, your spiritual foundation, and doesn't have the study on how God works through those, you know, through these times. Uh, don't underestimate how prepared you have been. And don't forget to go back and say, okay, Lord, what have I learned? What was true about you then that we know is still true about you today? How can I even look at uh, the people going through the scriptures and how, how they were going through chaos? I studied it. I had some school answers to it. Now I'm living it. How can those become my healthy answers?
Now let's say I were to do a quiz, and for those of you that are students of the Scriptures, let's say list as many principles that you can find in the Bible. And you might list several, you know. Uh, you might list um, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor. Uh, grace. Law. Others, the list can get really long. But I wonder if the principle that I'm going to talk about this morning you would have thought to put on your list. And that is this. Relax. Chill. Rest. I'm not so sure why one of the longest of the Ten Commandments, we're well not one of, the longest of the Ten Commandments, one that had the most words in it. So God who wrote that out, gave most attention to it, is the one that we tend to most easily throw out or ignore. Some we would all probably just quickly agree with. Don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery. There are some that we might have debated at points in our lives, like, you know, obeying your parents, particularly teenagers, right? They might, I question that one a little bit, but at least you've wrestled with it. But then you have the one that had the most verbiage, God put the most attention to, and made it number one. Observe the Sabbath. To take a day of rest and to focus on the things of God and push away all of your distractions. It's hard for us. I grew up in D.C., and much like for many of you who grew up in this area, you know certain levels of intensity. And because of that certain level of intensity, you are like me, you are a doer. And you're used to, you gotta get things done. And to actually to step back and, like for example, if somebody were to ask me, how's it been? There's a part of me that feels like I must say, oh, I've been busy. And I feel like I kind of say that because to not tell you that, I feel like devalues me, devalues some of my uh, sense of, uh, of worth. And it's not functional, it's not healthy, but there's something about it that we tend to push aside uh, that and to say that my value is in what I do. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. We're going to spend a good bit of our time today in Hebrews chapter 4. I'll start off reading uh, bits and pieces of uh, uh, verses, the first 13 verses. Uh, for brevity's sake, I won't hit every verse, but I will promise to keep the context of it all. Starting in verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you have been found short of it. He goes on to say, Now that we have believed and entered rest, yet his works have finished since the creation of the world, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh days in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. It goes on to say, there, um, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters rest, God's rest, also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into rest so no one will perish by following 
their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than uh, any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him that must give an account. I label today's message, relaxed, having confidence in Christ. It is a mind-boggling thought for many of us that a time of rest is actually an expectation that God has for us. This is not a bonus. This is not a, oh, a good thing to do. It's actually a biblical principle and an expectation to the point it's even referred to as an act of disobedience to not. And again, that could be hard for some of us, but the scripture says, therefore, since we've entered the promise of entering rest till death, let us be careful that none of you are falling short of it. And it is fascinating that we're reminded in scripture that there was never a time of greater chaos in this world than during the creation of the world. That during the creation of the world, you had uh, trying to balance gravity and ecosystems and, and the ocean from the land and the, and the art form of, of the beauty of it all and trying to, to navigate all of that and then trying to uh, develop the food chain and, and, and all of those different elements of creating the world. That was a time of extreme chaos. And God not only beautifully did it all, but you would think when he finally, you know, when he got it all rolling, that he would be kind of hanging out and say, I'm kind of worried, is this going to work? Nope. He rested. He had confidence in who he was as God. And he modeled that so that we can look at and to say, have confidence in the things of God. Intentional rest is... is um, is a command. So I want to make a statement, and in the statement, I'm going to have a caveat that I will uh, say afterwards. Now, that's kind of breaking some of the English language rules, you know, trying to say, say, for example, to say, there's a rule, but there's also an exception to the rule. Well, if there's an exception to the rule, is it really a rule? Well, kind of here too. Uh, I, I'm telling you a principle, but I want to give you, tell you up front, I'm going to have an exception to that. And here's the statement. Anxiety and fear is a possible sign that you are out of sync spiritually. Anxiety and fear is a possible sign that you are out of sync spiritually. I promised you a caveat, and here it is. Let's say you have been diagnosed by your doctor as having a chemical imbalance that's causing anxiety. My challenge to you is don't stop taking your medicine, okay? Uh, uh, so that's, for example, I mean, anxiety in itself is not bad. I talked about PTSD. There's sometimes it is a gift to say, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a sign, it's a gift to tell you it's time to process this. You need to work through this. So anxiety in itself is not inherently evil. It's a sign 
But now let me say that the statement I give to you is a gift. If I were to give you another quiz, and to say, I want you to list for me the, the most frequent command in the Bible. The command that is said most often, the most frequent command in the Bible. I wonder what you would write down. Did you know the most frequent command in the Bible is fear not? Fear not. Fear not. Said to Joshua, said, said to the angels when they were uh, 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 proclaiming uh, the birth of Jesus, and it said throughout the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not. In fact, there was one uh, uh, theologian that, that counted says there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, which means there's one for you for every day. Now, some argued, some theologians argued, well, no, actually, there's, there's 322, and say, well, no, my translation is 381. My point is, it's said a lot. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Now, we've already talked about that throughout scriptures, they knew a thing or two about the rhythms being thrown out, about, about oppression, about economic hard times. They knew they were experiencing uh, sometimes even deeper level than what we've experienced. And God's response was not like, oh yeah, that's pretty bad. His response was, relax, fear not. And what he was communicating to them is, is not that uh, uh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but your trust and your confidence is found in him, not in the things of the world. God is saying, I got this. Trust in me. So you have to ask, Lord, have I gotten so dependent upon the familiar and what I can control that the second life is not easy, I go into a downward spiral? Has my confidence and security in you been replaced by self-dependency? Is it possible that my fear and anxieties are more of a sign revealing that my identity has been wrapped up in things other than you? Is it possible that the time of stress and trauma is a bit of a gift because it reveals that I need to reorient my identity in Christ? Jesus is the source, absolute source for everything. And that includes rest. He's a source of true rest. I don't think I put this on the screen, but starting with verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended to the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us firmly hold to the faith that we profess. We say we believe. We, we can talk about it, preach about it, and teach about it. He said, but let's firmly hold to the faith that we profess. 
But we do not have a high priest, that's referring to Jesus himself, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet he did not sin. Let us therefore approach the God's throne with grace of grace, with confidence, that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. So Jesus is our absolute source of trust, and therefore, and absolute source of true rest, and therefore, it is time that we deepen our understanding of rest. You know, it talks about, and we talked about in the context of talking about rest, it's also talking about the value of God's word. And that's where, you know, in verses 12 and 13, and, and God is alive and he's active and he speaks to us through his word. So my question for you now is, what is rest? A lot of times we define rest as escape, me time. Oh, I need rest, and so therefore, I'm going to just, just to turn it all off, and, and, and I'm just going to escape it all. In fact, a lot of times, rest is oftentimes we, we identify in turning to our addictive behaviors. Now, there are certain addictive behaviors that we immediately think of when I use the word addiction. You know, abuse of alcohol, drugs, pornography, but there's others too. When we have an addiction to, to, uh, that we find ourselves quickly going to anger easily, self-pity easily, resentment easily, or just to bury ourselves in our cell phones, you know, and just looking at our apps or our social media and just to escape. All of those things, we turn to them because they feel like, they give the appearance of a sense of rest in the moment. But if you're intellectually honest with yourself, you know that it does nothing but it does nothing in terms of bringing you rest at all. So what does true rest look like? This is an old adage. Maybe you've heard of it before, because like I said, it's old. But, but it kind of helps illustrate my point a little bit. And the story is about two lumberjacks. They were kind of in a contest all the time, kind of ripping each other all the time, saying, who could actually cut down the most trees? And so, finally, somebody called out, oh, we're tired of this little debate, just, just prove it. So they had a big day that they were going to have a contest, and all the towns showed up, because they wanted to see, because these guys have been at each other for years. And so, they, uh, uh, you know, the bell rang, and they just started chopping, you know, swinging their axes, and just trying to uh, cut down trees as fast as they can go. Now, Lumberjack 1 looked over at Lumberjack 2 when he was swinging, and he saw at about the one-hour mark, Lumberjack 2 sat down. And he just said, man, I'm going to get a whole other tree ahead of him. I can't believe he's this tired this early. And then they go for another hour, and Lumberjack 2 sits down again. And again. And Lumberjack 1 is saying, this is like taking candy from a baby. This is going to be so easy. But at the end, when they measured the piles, Lumberjack number 2's pile was way higher than Lumberjack's number 1. And so Lumberjack number 1 had to concede that I lost. 
but I want to know how. How did you do it? And his response was, well, it's easy, actually. When I relaxed, I sharpened my axe. And that's rest, is being highly intentional and not becoming the self-centered me, but highly intentional for uh, building the healthy me. That is the distinction between true, healthy rest. And so when I am spending time in my spiritual journey with God, when I am taking time of Sabbath, rather than going to escape mode, to be in saying, Lord, I love you. This is not making sense. I need you. Lord, I have a, a, a tendency. I want to go to the escape mode right away. I know that's not going to bring me real rest. Instead, I want to just spend some time in worship in you and just knowing, Lord, you're bigger than this. My identity is not wrapped up in this. And when my rhythms are taken away from me, it's hard. I'm not going to deny that. But Lord, allow me just to relax in you and having my confidence in Christ. And I got to tell you that when you're learning and growing in this discipline, that rest is not done in a vacuum. Soul work is not only slow work, but it is shared work. One of the things that's been kind of nasty about this season is the isolation. Now, we need to socially distance. And so that's why we're wisely kind of keeping apart, putting on our mask. And there are some that are watching home online for good reason. For them, that's the right answer. We need to kind of socially distance. But I challenge you to recognize that eventually, or in ways that you can with safety now, don't underestimate the amount that we're not only social beings, but we are a communal faith. Let me reword it in this way. I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. And our spiritual journeys are not grown out of just kind of going to our own private little corners. We need to spur one another on and to encourage one another. And it needs to be done in a healthy way because when we only share our successes, we're in danger of becoming competitors. But when we share our struggles, we are on a path to becoming brothers and sisters. So rest is the time to recharge. Rest is uh, the time to kind of become refreshed in our identity in Christ. Now, remember, I talked about God being the creator, which by default makes him creative. And he was not only creative and in, in, in seeing all the different beauty and I was uh, walking through, uh, uh, you know, just this area and watching all the leaves come down and kind of kicking them up and just love it. It's just he's creative our God, but he's also creative in how he wired each of you. And in your unique wiring, you need to be able to turn to the creative God and to ask him, so what does 
connection and rest found in you look like for me? I have a way that I find rest uh, that some of you may identify with and many, many may not. One would be is when I go through a hike through the woods and I can just get alone with God and I just spend time with him. Another way is I like, I ride a motorcycle. And when I ride a motorcycle, um, I, I, I would say that no one when driving should ever multitask, such as looking at your phone. But when you're on a motorcycle, it's just not an option. And so you have this time where for me, in my wiring, it allows me to first to declutter my mind, and then I should start praying. Lord, first of all, I start praising him. That's beautiful. Yay, God. And then I begin praying through things and kind of wrestling through things. And I might think about the scripture that I read that morning and I start chewing on it and reflecting on it. What did it mean in that context? And what does that mean for me? And then I might kind of, you know, uh, uh, take out some of the things. Lord, I don't get this. I'm angry about this. I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about it. And it might be helping me to process different things. And I just, uh, I'm engaging with him. For me, that is a way I can rest engaging with God. In fact, my admins from year to year, depending on where I at, has known that I have a name for my motorcycle. It's called meditation. And when somebody calls the office, she just said, oh, pastor's in meditation right now. Now, that wouldn't work for at all for my wife. She won't even get on the thing, right? So, but for her, she is a worshiper. She, when she's on a worship team and she's singing and you can just see she's in worship and, and people said, I look toward to her during worship because it helps me to worship. And I said, you know, it's not just something on stage. She's like this all the time at home. And I know when she turns on the worship music, uh, uh, you know, says Siri play, you know, whatever songs or whatever, and she's just having it turned up. The younger me would say, could you turn that down? But now that I've seen, I say, she's engaging with God right now. I need not to get in the way of that. In the way of that. Here's another way. When I was doing a similar process that I'm doing, uh, did with your staff and your leadership today, this week, uh, I was doing a similar thing in Iowa. And in Iowa, there was a woman on the team who was from India. And, uh, and I saw her Bible opened one time uh, during this process. And all the scriptures, the margins were really brought in. So they were just kind of like in the center of the Bible. Now, it made a Bible really thick because it just took a long time to get there. And the margins that were wide were blank. Not filled with cross-references or anything. They were blank. She turned out to be an artist. And every time she was reading God's word, she began drawing maybe something as the context of what she thought that looked like back then. Maybe something God was showing her in her, in her life. Or maybe something she's reflecting on. She had ways. And so you would see from page to page these art forms that were all throughout the scriptures. And that's how she found rest in connection with God. If that were me, it would be stick figure after stick figure after stick figure. So therefore, that would not work for me. My point is this. Find the way of rest 
that, uh, that uh, rest in Jesus looks like for you. And then ask you the question is, how well are you practicing him? What, is the, what does rest, look, it rest in Jesus look like for you? And how well are you practicing it? There's a statement, definitely not new with me, but it applies, I'd like to share it with you. To avoid burnout, divert daily. That's doing whatever relaxes, finding some time, some time alone with the Lord, just just saying, Lord, my identity's in you. My identity's in you. Withdraw weekly. Well, we just had a whole scripture reading about that. This is the beginning of it for you. You're spending the day worshiping together. This is supposed to be a time to relax. You're putting your things aside. And Lord, I just want to hear your word and I want to grow in love in, with you. And then, uh, then, but you should be spending more time, not just this time, engaging and relaxing with God. And uh, abandon annually, uh, which is uh, disconnect completely. You know, uh, there are certain professions that need that even more than others. Everybody needs it. But uh, there's a syndrome called compassion fatigue. And what compassion fatigue is because you're having to deal with the emotions of someone so often uh, that this is why nurses get burnout, for example. There's another one, Pastor Rob and I were talking about earlier, about, about when it comes to certain levels of leadership and you're having to take on the burdens of others and to lead through that brings a fatigue. There's one profession that deals with both of those a lot, and that's pastor. And that's why pastors have to take times of sabbatical, annual abandonment, just to say, Lord, I just got to get fresh with you so they can stay fresh in, in their relationship with you, with, with him. Because uh, the scripture says, for anyone who enters rest in God's rest also rests from their works. A challenge I'd like to give you is this. Rethink your strategy. What are the important non-urgent habits that you need to incorporate into your life? There's a lot of things that you would label as important. And those important things that you have labeled in your life, um, some of them are filled with chaos. They let you know every other minute is important. The crying kid, feed me, feed me, feed me. The email that goes ding, 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 is saying, pay attention to me right now. And you've identified that as important and is the tyranny of the urgent. But I find that God oftentimes, who is most important, doesn't come to us in the tyranny of the urgent. No, he has. I've had some times where I've been in crisis and the Lord just, you know, just, 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 just met me right there. And he met me in the tyranny of my urgent. But most time, it's those non-urgent things where we have to choose to spend time with God. We would all say, I would hope that time with the Lord is important. But let me ask you this. If you skipped your devotional this morning, maybe all week, maybe spending time with the Lord since the pandemic started, were you struck by lightning? 
God, the perfect gentleman, is just waiting for us to choose to be in engagement with him. And I believe that true rest is found in that. That when we are choosing to just to rest in God. So rethink your strategy. What are important non-urgent habits where we find God the most that we need to incorporate into our lives? Think long-term spiritual health over quick fix emotionally. So in conclusion, I'd say this. Relax through building your confidence in Christ. Find freshness in Jesus. Jesus is our absolute source of true rest. He's a superior source for everything. Rest is essential. Find what works for you that's helping you to find true rest. And rethink your strategy. What are important non-urgent habits that you need to incorporate into your life? Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we come to you knowing that you are good. You are superior. You are way beyond anything that this world has to offer. And Lord, true rest is found in you. Lord, oftentimes we get caught up and in distractions, and the evil one loves nothing more but us to be in distractions and, and just to be distracted from our realities. That's not what you're calling us to. You're calling us to lay down our burdens before you and to trust in you and to build our identity in you. I pray for this community that they can find true rest for you and that they will take it out all throughout Cape Cod and people will see different kind of person because they understand true rest in you. Through Christ we pray. Amen.